Lord Jesus, please, in your mercy, come and visit with each of us. You know the distractions that take over our lives, the busyness of family and the seasons of the year, the business of living. It's all very demanding, Lord. Keeping up with the bills, friends in need, responsibilities that come to us because we know and love you. But may all our lives, Lord, every little piece of it, be lived out against the backdrop of your presence. Fill our horizon. Help us to see beyond all the immediacies to the grand reason why we are living and why we give ourselves to some of these and most of these very busy day-by-day chores. Now take my lips and speak through them, Lord. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and bend them to your own. And take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Let me ask you to turn to page 6 in your service sheet, or to Romans chapter 8 in your Bibles if you've brought them with you. Because as we celebrate the whole business and ministry and opportunity of adoption, while we understand the human element of this, given the family that was just in front of us, the video we've just seen, and I wouldn't be surprised if some of you were adopted and others of you have adopted. So adoptive uh, parents and children who've been adopted is not that strange to us. It was something that came my wife's way and my way without us even seeking it. At the time, we had two children, and I was visiting with a woman in the hospital who was dying of cancer, and about a year beforehand, while she was very ill with cancer, her husband had died of a stroke. So now the husband is gone, the wife is dying, and I went to visit her in the hospital. And she said, I have a favor to ask of you, John. She said, will you take Susanna when I die? She had this teenage daughter, and I, as the youth minister, had been pretty much involved in that little girl's life growing up. And the mother had asked her, who did she want to live with when she, the mother, had died? And as... This woman, her name was Susan as well, told me the story. She had asked Susu, Susanna, who she wanted to live with when she died. She said, I want to live with John and Kathy Guest. 
I said, we'd take her. Went home and told Kathy what I'd done that day. And she became a part of our family within the year. So we had two little girls and a teenager. She became our full responsibility. Her schooling, the activities of her life, her ups and downs. She came to a living faith in Jesus because she'd been adopted into our family. We went over to England to see her where she was going to school in Cambridge. And she introduced Kathy and me to a woman there who, within the congregation in Cambridge, had become her mentor. And I was honored and thrilled when she introduced Kathy and me as her mom and dad. We kind of took it for granted with our own children that they'd call us mom and dad. The ones that were born to us, that is. But when Susu called us mom and dad, it was like a whole brand new privilege. And I felt greatly honored in that. She since has married to a chap in England... And they have two adopted children themselves. So we've now got adopted grandchildren. And we love them like we love Susanna, like we love those born to us. We love to get the photographs of them. It's amazing how immediate that is via the internet now. So our refrigerator is plastered with pictures from England of grandchildren who've been adopted to our daughter who was adopted. This may surprise you. It shocked me. You know Bob and Nancy Mason, Bob heads up our small group ministry. When I met them early on, I found out, and it was quite extraordinary, they have three children born to them, and they have 23 children that they have fostered, 23, not all at one time. And two of those children that they fostered, they adopted. And I was driving along just this past week, and uh, given the season of the year, and uh, that orphans were being advertised as available On the radio, I went home to Kathy, surprised by the thought that we might even contemplate adopting another one, taking on another child. I think Kathy is still praying about that. But the idea that we can become responsible for one of these young lives is a great opportunity. Normally, there are two primary reasons why we adopt. One is because we can't have children ourselves as husband and wife, and we want to have a family, and we have that aching need to have children in our lives, and so we adopt. The other is, and that's not always disassociated from the first, 
is that there are children who are desperately in need, who've either been orphaned or taken from their families for whatever reason, or the families from which they came have been such a disaster that the courts have taken charge of the children. And that becomes an opportunity for us to step in and love those kids and minister to them. Now all this is a picture, one that the Bible picks up on and uses as an illustration of how God has welcomed us into his family. And it's called adoption. That he has adopted us as we have come to faith in Christ. Look with me at this passage, then, in Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be looking at a parallel passage to this in Galatians chapter 4. And you may want to make reference to it. But both these passages and others besides speak about our being adopted into God's family. Follow along with me then as you read with me from chapter 8 of Romans, beginning at verse 12. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature... You will die. But if by the Spirit, it's the capital S for Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Now to take just a look at those few verses and read them, for instance, in parallel with Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 4, and what you see is that we are by nature sinners. And Galatians makes it clear that we are slaves to sin. Let me read from the Galatians passage. But when the time had fully come... God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons, is the NIV translation. But it would more literally be translated, receive the spirit of adoption. Because you are sons. God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba Father, so that you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, you have been made also an heir. To be transported, transposed, transformed from being a slave to sin 
to being a son or daughter of God. So in the Romans passage, when it speaks about us going, undergoing this transformation through faith in Christ, look at verse 13. If you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again. Do you hear it? A slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. Again, they've taken a liberty with the translation. The literal word there is adoption. That you have received the spirit of adoption. And by him we cry, because of this you see, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirits that we are God's children. Now if we are children, here is this same thought again, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. A miracle takes place. Not all of us are by nature children of God. We are certainly by nature children of sin. But because of Christ's dying love and redeeming us on the cross, when we put our faith in him, on the one hand the Bible does describe that as being born again. That's another image, a whole new life. But the adoption picture here is that through faith in Christ, we now become a member of the family through adoption. And as per our human experience of adoption, the children call us mom and dad that we, in, we take in as adopted. When we are adopted into the family of Jesus, we can call God Father. His Spirit bears witness with our spirits that we are his child and we call him Dad. The word Abba is the common word for Father. As if we would call our Father Dad. Because we are adopted into the family. So we called our dad, the Heavenly Father, as Dad, as did Jesus. And when we are adopted into the family of the Father, Jesus becomes our brother. And we are co-heirs with Christ of all that heaven holds. We belong in the family of the Father. We are adopted into the Father, into the Father's family, and can call him Father, that is Dad. We then begin to take on the family characteristics. We become more and more like the family that adopts us. It's not that we just call him Dad, our Heavenly Father. But his spirit at work in us 
makes us more and more like his son. And so we become more and more like Jesus. We begin to take on the family character and image. More than that, we take on the family business. So we become responsible partners, co-partners and co-heirs with Christ in the family business that's living on earth as if our home is in heaven, living in such a way that we honor the Father in all that we do, his character, his dreams and desires for us become ours for ourselves. Even maybe as important as all that is, he takes full responsibility for us in the same way that when we adopt a child, we take full responsibility for them. So all their impediments, all their liabilities become ours. But by the same token, all their potential, all their opportunities become ours. We take on the whole person as adopted into the family. When we believe in Jesus, he takes us on, takes responsibility for us. It's not that he just is called dad or father. He is not ashamed to call us his child, his son or daughter. We get each other. We get the family. We really do belong to each other more than just belonging to a church and becoming a member as these have signed up to become a member and committed themselves to it. I know many of you are still praying and thinking about that possibility. But the reality is that when we are adopted into the family of the Father, we inherit all manner of brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins and grandparents. We are family in Jesus. That's a great privilege. I remember when Billy Graham was first in England as a young man. He's now in the later 90s and definitely the back end of his life. But as a young guy in England with some of the other young Americans who came over to evangelize, they had such a hit in England. Do you know he preached for three months straight in this great arena called Haringey Sports Arena? Three months straight. He became the talk of the nation. Her Majesty the Queen invited him to tea. The Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, invited him to 10 Downing Street. All kinds of nobility and important people wanted to meet him. And the question that was asked of him and his team is this. When you're meeting the royals, the blue bloods, the aristocrats, how do you feel? The implication was... You must feel very inferior being around these noble British. 
But the answer was, our Father is the King of Kings. They didn't feel the least bit inferior. Now that wasn't a false kind of bravado. Do you see what it says here? His spirit witnesses with our spirit, verse 16, that we are his children. It's something internal, existential, a reality in our lives. I say this without in any sense being braggadocious. Having been raised in near poverty after my dad died, I think real poverty to tell the truth. When I came to know Jesus at the age of 17, going on 18, I can say this with all honesty, from that moment on, no matter where I found myself, I never felt inferior. I always had. We were just the poor guest family. When I got to know Jesus, I had a father in heaven, my heavenly father, And it wasn't that I thought, oh, he's my father, heaven's my home, I'm big time. It was the Spirit of God bearing witness with my spirit that I was a different person. I was his son. Heaven was my home. And it took me some years to realize that transformation. And it's amazing how God has used me Yes, to work with the poor and the disenfranchised. But amazingly, to speak with the people of great authority and power and wealth and in no sense feel inferior. Not that I feel superior, but I feel like a minister Christ boldly to them. And God has blessed that. Well, it all goes back to my being adopted into his family. And that's a wonderful act of his. About a week ago, just a little over a week, I had a reunion with some folks, and Ed and Tammy Glover, Pastor Ed and his wife Tammy, were a part of that reunion. And uh, we were talking about one thing or another and how the year had been for us. And Tammy shared a story which I've asked her to come and share with us now. So wherever you are, Tammy, turn up. I was expecting her to be sitting out there, and I'm looking, thinking. But here she is. Come on over here, Tammy. Tammy was sharing a story from her work with Pastor Ed on the north side of Pittsburgh, a work that we're pretty much committed to. And as you heard, we've got this lighting up the night. When is this? Next week? Yes, next week, December 5th and December 7th. And while it said come at 6.30, come at 5.30. It's going to be packed, and you don't want to miss it. So that would be a Friday and a... Sunday night. Friday night, Sunday night. 5.30 p.m. At Allegheny Central Alliance Church. Yes. Parking is free? Parking is free. And you can park in the garage. There'll be lots of people showing you where to park. And if you need to be dropped off, you can be dropped off and then have your chauffeur drop. So you get a taste of that ministry. But you're going to get a real taste now just from one little girl that Tammy was talking to. So go for it, Tammy. 
about a year ago this fall, we started a series in our choir program about uh, gratefulness, about being thankful. And we were kind of uh, using as the basis Ann Voskamp's book, 100 Gifts, or 1,000 Gifts, I'm sorry. And um, what I was wanting to get through to our kids is even though many of them are in very dire situations and they're, um, they don't have what they even perceive as a lot, I wanted them to know that they have so much to be thankful for in the Lord. And so, and that, that gratefulness and thankfulness is a mark of Christian character and that they must develop that in themselves, regardless of what they perceive as their circumstances or of their resources or, or, or economic situation. And so we began that theological journey together. And as we were talking about it, I said, sometimes when we get into really difficult situations, we tend to, we become angry at God and we give him this. Why are you doing that to me? That's not fair. And I said, it's really important in those moments that, you know, the Bible is teaching us that we need to give thanks in all things. In all situations. And I said, if you ever find yourself like this, you have to remember that what God has for you, you cannot receive. The root of all joy in our lives comes from thankfulness. So I said, in order to experience that joy, you have to go from this and you have to go like this. And you have to say, Lord, I don't like my situation. I don't think it's good and I don't think it's fair, but I thank you for it. And I give it to you back. So this was our journey. And as we went on this journey, we began a Twitter and a blog and a Facebook and a Tumblr. And they would take pictures on their phones. You were supposed to keep a journal. I knew they wouldn't. So I said, take pictures. And every week we would talk about what they were thankful for. And they went from only being able to be thankful for their parents to being thankful for so many things. And they were growing. And I could, I mean, I've never been in a, in a situation where I could see spiritual growth on such a uh, dramatic level. And so the kids were growing and I was excited. And one night a girl came up to me and she said, um, Amy, Tam, I want to share my, my thankfulness story. She said, but I don't think I can. So I want to tell it to you. And then you tell it to the group. I said, okay, we were right downstairs in the choir room. Cause that's where we meet every Tuesday night our choir she, room. This in choir. our choir room. That's where it happened right downstairs. And this is what she said. She said, um, this last week, my mother uh, called me in when I got home from school and she was sitting at the kitchen table and she asked me to sit down and I said, okay. So I sat down and she said, she had a sad look on her face and I knew something was wrong. And uh, she said to me, uh, sweetheart, I need to tell you something. She said, I don't know how to say this, but you're not really my daughter. And the little girl looked at her and she said, well, what do you mean? I'm not your daughter. She said, honey, when you were just a baby, I had a friend and she brought you to the door and she said she couldn't take care of you. And so I just kept you, but you're not mine. And none of the people that you know as grandma and grandpa or aunts and uncles are your real relatives. And I, I needed to tell you this. And this little girl felt like her world was about to split apart. And she said she, like the room was spinning for her and she just could feel anger rising up inside of her. And she said to her mother, you lied to me. 
You, you all these years, you lied to me. None of the people that I know is my family or my family. You, and she just ran out of the kitchen and she started crying and she ran up to her room and she was filled with anger and betrayal and the lies and she, the hatred that she felt for not, like her whole world was not true. And so she began to be very, very angry at, this, at the news. And so she said in, in all of it, she, was, she, she found herself and she just made fists and she was shaking him and she was, why is this happening to me? This is wrong. And she said, in that moment, the Holy she said, I could hear your words, Amy Tam. I was crying and I was angry, but I could hear your words. And I remembered that you said we, when we have fists towards God, we can't have fists. We have to open them and, and we have to say thank you for a horrible situation. And she said, I was so angry, but I could remember your words. And I remember you told us we can't have joy if we don't open our hands back up to the Lord. And she said, but I didn't want to. I was so angry and I felt so betrayed and I felt like I couldn't trust anyone. So she said, I I stood there though and she said, I opened my hands back up and she said, Lord, I don't feel thankful at all. But Amy Tam told me that if I don't open my hands, I can't receive your joy. And so I'm telling you, thank you that I was betrayed in this way. And she said, and I thank you for my mother who lied. And then she said something strange happened to her. She said, I was saying, I was thankful for my mother who lied. And it suddenly flooded into my mind that my mother didn't have to take me. She could have said no. And she said, it just, she said, thankfulness started flooding through every part of me. She said, I started saying, oh God, thank you for my mother who took me. She didn't have to, she didn't have to pay for, my mother sends me to a private school. She works extra jobs so I can go there. Why would she do that? She loves me. She loves Oh, God, thank you for my mother who loves Thank you for my family. My family treats me like I'm theirs. And they know. They all know I'm not. Oh, God, thank you for my family. My family's wonderful. They love me. And she said she got so overwhelmed. And tears were now were not angry tears. They were joyful tears. And she ran down the stairs. And there was her mother at the kitchen table with her head in her hands just crying because of the pain that she had just caused her daughter. And she said, I ran over and I threw my arms around my mother and I said, oh mother, thank you. Thank you for taking me. Thank you for making me your daughter. Thank you for giving me my family. Oh mother. And she said, my life was transformed in that moment. Mm. And that's what God has done for us. Do you ever feel like throwing your arms around God and saying thank you? Thank you for including me in your family. Raising me up as your son or daughter. Taking care of me through all my ups and downs. The human experience 
has been taken by God to describe to us the amazing spiritual experience of being adopted into his family. The price he paid was not a little overtime to get you through school. The price he paid was on the cross. Absolute and ultimate. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he wanted you in his family. Let's talk to him in prayer right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for making it possible to join you as brother and sister, to be in your family with the same Heavenly Father. Thank you for adopting us, taking full responsibility for us, all our liabilities, as well as our potential that you took the whole of us. Thank you for the price you paid. Thank you for your Holy Spirit's work in us, your Holy Spirit's work of confirming in us that we are yours, that heaven is our home, and that you'll never leave us or abandon us or cast us out as orphans. We are your children, and we thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.